So we just want to let you know that Danny DeVito, who directed the movie Matilda, a great smash hit from in the 1990s, is going to be in concert with the New Jersey Symphony March 22nd at the State Theater in New Brunswick. And it's a beautiful theater. I've played there before. There's going to be a live orchestra, the movie with a beautiful print, and you'll see it live. And then Danny will narrate like he did in the movie live. He'll be there. So March 22nd in New Brunswick, the State Theater, Danny DeVito and Matilda. If you want tickets, go to njsymphony.org slash Matilda, or just call 1-800-ALLEGRO, which is also 1-800-255-3476. Would you like to learn a new language? We. Oui. <laughs> See what we? I did? Oh. No, I said we oui, like French. Oh, okay. We, 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 we. I have, ever since I've seen Pepe Le Pew and his way with women, I thought, I want to learn a new language. You know what? I, I do have a, because uh, I'm a, I, I do voices and stuff. I do like yeah. the sound of, of, of French language. Yeah, you're good at faking a language. I just do gibberish, but I want to actually learn. And that's, mm -hmm. I'm going to introduce you in the world to Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. Yes, I've heard about this and talked about it for a long time. It's the trusted expert for 30 years. They have millions of users, 25 languages offered. So I think that pretty much covers the globe. You've got yeah. your Spanish, your French, mm -hmm. you were just talking about, Korean, Dutch, Arabic. Fast language acquisition. It, 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 there's no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. That's the hard part, I think. That's it. And it's an intuitive process. You pick mm -hmm. up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's all designed for long-term retention, which is great because I took Spanish for 12 years and all I know is how to find a library. Yes, Donde, I know. Donde está la biblioteca. So this one, really, really, you retain it. I learned German and I know hastu zweister now abra. No, hastu bruder now. Nine abra cabras zweister. That means, have. do you have a brother? No, I have, but I have three sisters. I took German for seven years, and all I remember is Gesundheit. <laughs> what does that mean? That means bless you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> someone sneezes. Gesundheit. Rosetta Stone, that's not going to happen. Another thing I love is they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. That's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Very important to being understood in a foreign country is to do it in kind of the rhythm of the way that languages speak. Right. You don't, you don't look like some clown. Desktop and <laughs> app options, audio companion, ability to download lessons offline. Mm -hmm. By the way, the Lifetime membership has all 25 languages. For any and all trips and language needs in your life, mm -hmm. that's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. What are we waiting for? It's a steal. What is going on? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time. Fly on the Wall listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Oh, yeah. Visit rosettastone.com slash fly. That's 50. That's like the highest I've heard of. 50% mm -hmm. off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. 
redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash fly today. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Oh, yes, you heard me right. You can talk to an actual human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Dana, this one has one of our old favorites who we both had worked with, Danny DeVito. He was on SNL uh, with you and me. Mm-hmm. He did my very first, I'm pretty sure, Gap Girls. That one only had me and Sandler in it, uh, but he played our boss. And I know he did uh, Hans and Franz with you. Hans and Franz and Church Lady. And he's a five-time host, so he's, a, he's part of that club. Love Saturday Night Live. He's about as likable a person as you could ever spend time with. There's something mm-hmm. about him that is so sweet and fun. We go over his Penguin character, Batman, um, that was so brilliant and hilarious. The Tim Burton movie, um, Batman Returns, I believe. And um, Oh, yeah, we talk about... Uh, his early days. One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, Romancing the Stone. He had so many big, big things. Twins. And then, of course, mm-hmm. we get into t- Twins, Taxi. Uh, Always Sunny. Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite a career. The dude has done a lot, and he produces and he directs. We just talk about a lot of stuff with him, and the guy uh, is a good talker. And he knows a lot about New York and, and when he started mm-hmm. and then uh, he gets into all those crazy stories about Jim Carrey, Andy Kaufman, yeah. <laughs> going to see Andy Kaufman do stand up. Yeah. A lot of fun stuff. So this is a fun one and uh, have a good time with them. But I was just thinking doing this in the 1960s, we might've waited for Yul Brenner to come on. And that would have been fun. Yul Brenner would be the first yeah, guest. Podcast guest in 1965. <laughs> We'd follow him up with Steve McQueen. Yeah, you put him on. He does a little dance. Does the accent. He talks about the doing the jump, but he didn't really do it in The Great Escape. Didn't really, yeah. All the, all the stuff that he does, you know. Like I had a, an apartment in New York once in the 60s. I got on the <laughs> bulletin board of... Uh, of uh, the American Academy of Dramatic Arts where I went to school. And, uh, you know, I was looking for apartments. Everybody was always, you know, scrounging for, like, no money. But we had no money, so uh, they had this (laughs) bulletin board. Anyway, I went to an address, and it was in the weirdest place. It was on Madison Avenue in, in like, 57th or 8th Street. 645 was the address I remember. Oh. And yeah. Wow. And uh, I walk in the door. It's a really shitty building. Now it's all, you know, totally told, turned into what New York is, you know. And I I go in the building and the first thing I saw was a giant picture <laughs> of Buell <laughs> Brenner. <laughs> oh, man. And it was Wasn't a that... little shitty. Yeah. A little shitty hallway like kind of thing. And um, anyway, it worked out because I, I got the apartment. It was like the second flight up. It had an elevator actually in the building, but very, 
very, very, very old school. Yeah. And, uh, of course, 60, it was 64 or something like so that. So what was your rent? Do you remember your rent? Yes, $50 a month. $50 a month. And it, and it was a one-bedroom apartment. And the back and the bedroom was, the, it was a living room, bedroom kind of situation. It had a nice bathroom and a kitchen and and a and a mm-hmm. uh yeah and the bedroom had windows that looked out over the tops of um uh buildings in new york so it was like one of those it was like if you were uh doing a play or a movie about new york and you said like build me uh a, a outside like what the cyclorama would look like or today mm-hmm. what what you would put in 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 uh you know, the background of your movie. <laughs> it was all the stove, you know, the, the yeah. exhaust pipes and the tops of buildings and railings and all that. It, like, it yeah. looked like the, you could do, you could do uh, West Side Story on the roof. Well, did, did people hang out of, the, out, out, of their, out of their windows going, hey, what's with the well, fucking no, the, noise over here? No, no, they weren't doing that. It was like more like, it wasn't like enclosed, like like if there were okay. buildings that went up, because yeah. in that area, you know, at that time, it was just the top. So you had a great panorama mm-hmm. of looking east, uh, but no, you didn't see a river or anything. I was on Madison Avenue, and uh, but to actually have that address at at that time was like. Amazing, fucking crazy, because I put these other glasses I see better far away. That's a great, right in the heart of Midtown, right? Yes, right in the heart of, and the thing about Mm -hmm. it is that at that time, a lot of people don't know this, Madison Avenue and Fifth Avenue were two-way streets. I mean, Mm -hmm. you guys weren't even born. Uh, Yeah. Um, I was being born. I go back. I remember Yul Brenner. I look. I mean, you know, David doesn't know Yul Brenner is. Yeah, so you remember him, but yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Uh, but, I uh, remember the King and I was a poster. But if you imagine Madison yeah. Avenue being a two-way street, and yeah. uh, you know, you know New York very well, and Fifth yeah. Avenue also. I used to walk up from Thirtieth and and go to Fifty Seventh or Eighth where I lived, and uh, it was a two-way street. It was really. There weren't any horses and carts, though. You'd be happy to hear. You weren't that far back? <laughs> it wasn't that <laughs> oh, far Oh, good. All right. <laughs> We're in the modern... Were you walking I... around with Casting Call magazine? I was doing... Uh, what <laughs> we used to get was uh, show business and uh, and what would they call backstage. You remember oh, those? Oh, backstage. Remember yeah. those? Yeah, yeah. You guys did it a whole other way. It was just... We'd buy, I would, you know, I was never in the magazine. I, we'd buy these magazine, these papers <laughs> that came out once a week, show business and and uh, backstage, and in there yeah. there would be all the casting that was going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we would, you know, we would go to uh, uh, on the corner of I think it was Forty Seventh and Seventh uh, was uh, Howard Johnson's, and. Uh, Everybody would meet in there. It was like you know, that. You going in, you know, take up space and have coffee, and read the <laughs> to see what the was, latest thing. Yeah, yeah, to see what was going on. And, and uh, uh, Danny, did you ever find when you auditioned for these things at the beginning? I found this that you would audition, 
And then you would hear through the grapevine, they already have offers out to stars, but they're just looking for backups or no, to, no, it's, all, well, it's always the same case. That, so it's been that since the beginning of time. And the other thing about like I I'm talking about auditioning for off off Broadway, mm-hmm. off Broadway, mm-hmm. uh regional <laughs> theater, anything mm-hmm. that you could get. And, and you know, sometimes you get lucky and get a, an audition at the public, you know, uh and uh you know, get get a, a tiny part in uh Shakespeare in the park, you know. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's not li- literally a spear carrier, but you might have a few lines like I played once I got, I played the doctor in uh, the Mary Wise of Windsor, uh, the doctor's servant, sorry, in the Mary Wise of Windsor, <laughs> you know, and uh, the best, those were the best shows uh, to get because they literally paid, man. Oh, that was like, you would wind up with 190 something dollars a week in, uh, in wow. those, uh, in, in, at Joe Papp's, you know, $200, it was a different contract that, you know, no strike but, needed there. Yeah, you know, four the, months uh, of rent. Off yeah. Broadway, off Broadway was great, man. Off Broadway was sixty eight dollars a week, seventy dollars a week. Damn, that's what I made on SNL. And SNL didn't exist then, did it? Did Lauren I Michaels? Mean, I, that's exist, what I tell people. Existed. <laughs> well, Lauren Michaels has always existed. He was in. A, he was a teenager. <laughs> and he still exists. There is no one. What, when, before. Did, when, did, when did SNL start? When did SNL start? It's a good question. Seventy-five. It's like seventy something. Seventy-five. Seventy. Yeah, seventy-five. Because, the fiftieth is next year. Yeah. yeah. Anniversary. Yeah. So I. Yeah. That's the, so seventy-five. I was already in California by then. I came. I'd gone through off Broadway and all those things um, earlier mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, uh, did uh, children's theater in Massachusetts. I've done, you know, did all that kind of stuff. And then I, mm-hmm. I got lucky in the, in the, in 1971 ish or two around there. And I got a, a part off Broadway and played Martini in Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, and so that applause. was like where there should be fucking you know, applause. Then, then, then uh, I stayed in that play for almost a year. It, it ran at wow. the Mercer Arts Center, mm. and that was cool. And then, uh, uh, then Milos saw it, and everybody saw mm. it, and I got Milos. lucky and got a you know Milos. Milos and then Fong. I got the movie, and then after the movie opened, I moved out. Wait, got Danny, funny. California. My my question was when you do a play, you're not guaranteed a part in the movie, are you? No, you're not guaranteed anything in this. The, our business is you must know this. <laughs> it's not there's no there are no guarantees. There's no anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I mean once in a while like for instance I you could imagine like Brando uh, giving a performance like he did in Streetcar and then yeah. you know you got to be a, a you know you have to have your head in, head in the sand to not cast him in uh, in the movie. So right, uh, same thing with uh, you know Vivian. They're well, not going to get someone from The Bachelor, and they're not going to like. Yeah, he's going to be uh, the first <laughs> choice. Yeah, I I starred in Hans and Franz the musical. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I want to hear more about Hans and Franz the musical. Hans and Franz the musical. What I was going to ask you, Danny, is a philosophical question. 
Usually when people have their struggling oh. years, struggling years, and mm-hmm. then have hyper superstar success, which I'm going to put you in that category, they look mm-hmm. back at those early years and go, those were some of the best days of my life. Do you feel that or did it suck when you look back on the struggling well, years? It, it, I never, I don't, first of all, I don't, I mean, unless I'm doing something like talking to you guys, like, or something, or, you know, you don't think about that as much, but mm-hmm. you, you you do think like, you know, uh, those days were tr- struggles, but not, you know, not the best. They were not, mm-hmm. the, those were the days, uh, uh, I I think the toughest part about that getting started was, you know, like you guys got started, like when you, you know, you, you, you hit television or I don't know what your history is, but <laughs> how, how much you did before, before I met you at the, when I did the church lady or something, like that. but, <laughs> wow. but uh, you were there, you were, you were there. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, I remember was there. It, 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 I was there. Well, you were, you hosted a couple times. It's just so funny. And when I did that drum solo in the dress, you were egging me on, you know, and that was my best drum solo <laughs> on television. There you so, go. You see, you have to have a coach. <laughs> you were good. I had ten, 10 years of, of uh, anonymity before I got SNL. David, had, David got a movie right out of high school. But um, I know. Then I lo- well, but then I, Danny, thank you for asking. I did a police academy movie, Police Academy Four, the good one, and I and then I came back and turned something down. I thought I was kind of a big deal, and then I lost all my heat for three years and had to grind it back. And it's so fucking sickening to even think about. But it it all worked out. But but like you were saying in the beginning, when you were struggling, I think like all of us you don't really know any better and you, you know, you're taking a risk by going into this world of movies and TV and theater. So you can only really look back and think, God damn, how did I get through that? But at the time, a hundred dollars is a lot. You get a little part. It's a lot. You know, you're just sitting with your buddies at the coffee shop. It's such a long shot to make it that it's probably once you make it, you look back and go, God, that was tough. But at the time it's tough, but you don't, I didn't really notice how tough it was. Yeah, You don't notice it. No. You just well, you're you're focused on like you're you're focused on getting the job. Yeah. So basically, that was what what was going on with me. I was like, I would uh, uh, I would read those papers that you, you know. And at the time, <coughs> excuse me, in the '60s, I I didn't have an equity card, so I just got out of school, and like the way they did it was. You, th- you would read in, say you'd read in the in, in backstage that such and such was casting something. And you go, okay. And and they're casting over on 57th Street, you know, by Carnegie Hall, somewhere near one of those buildings down the block, whatever it was. And casting was, you know, say Tuesday. Okay, but you didn't get in until the end of the, you got at the end. If you didn't have an equity card, they saw everybody. You know, they would there because everybody's looking for the right person to play the part, uh, hopefully. Uh, if and especially if they're not, you know, it's the, the I mean, maybe they already had the lead cast or that's the way they raised the money or that mm-hmm. those things. But you would you would wait up in the like you go go at like three o'clock, four o'clock in the after, afternoon, and maybe the line was less 
and you could, uh, you know, you you waited, and then in the end, the very end, uh, they would let the non-equity people get in to mm-hmm. uh, to audition, and then they'd see everybody. And as a matter of fact, the first play that I ever got, did I did at uh, in I think it was nineteen sixty eight or so seven the first off-broadway show because i had done Mm -hmm. regional theater well Mm -hmm. uh i did toured with a play once that came out of school that was like kind of casting the we went to two theaters went to the eugene o'neill foundation where they uh, the playwrights thing in 60 something 64 and and then like in 68 I I actually did that. I went to the to one of those auditions and where they make you wait until the very end. And I peeked my head into the, you know, I it was this big, big door in one of those big old pre-war <laughs> buildings in the like it was on, I think it might have been on like near 57th Street. And I I walk up and it's a giant bo- door and there's nobody there because I had gone and come back. The line was really long and Anyway, long story short, I stuck my head in, and there were there was an actor, a director, and a writer and a producer sitting at a table, up really far away in this big empty room. It looked like a rehearsal room, and I just popped my head in, like, and and mm-hmm. you know, you still uh, you know seeing people kind of thing, <laughs> and the actor, was, uh, a guy named Alan Garfield. You remember, that you know, part. Alan, J- James Garfield's son. No, no, I don't know who's, okay. who his dad was. His name was <laughs> okay. Alan Garfield, but he was, mm-hmm. you know, him, Dave. No, I know Garfield, yeah. the cat. Okay. But... Anyway, look, the guy literally at the table, <laughs> like across the room, turns around and said, that's the guy who should play the part. Whoa. They were trying to talk him into. Yeah. He didn't want to do wow. this part. It was, wasn't a huge oh. part. But it was a good part. And I stuck my head in the door. And the guy and the actor, not the director and the producers and the writer or whatever, <laughs> he said, There's a guy who should play this part. And I <laughs> I just backed out of the room or something. And they came and got me. And I went in and I read the lines, did the thing. I didn't I didn't I had never seen the script before. Just, you know, like those things where they give you the cold sides. Rate, yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I got a part in a in a in a play called "Shoot Anything with Hair That Moves." <laughs> of course, <laughs> huge success. My dad works in B two B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. 
Go to linkedin.com slash wall to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash wall. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. I just think of the 70s and the films of the 70s and Cuckoo's Nest. (laughs) And, of course, that play. Yeah. Yeah. Don't shoot anything that has hair. And yeah. the the friends that you no, that you made Jack Nicholson and Michael Douglas and your your class right. you, you, those seventies guys that all became and they're yeah. lifelong friends. What what's the deal with those guys? Are they fun or do you like them or they're Jack fun. Nicholson? And- <laughs> yeah, they're good to work with. Yeah, Jack's the coolest guy out there. Jack Jack was like a a guy from Jersey. He, he actually lived like he was born in this. We were born in the same hospital. Mm. Figure that. Like, well, I'll down be the shore. And uh, <laughs> well, hey, I'll be damned. How about that? And uh, that's what Jack would say. I'll be damned. Born in the same hospital. Yeah. How you like that? Me and D born <laughs> in the same hospital. Uh, I don't do a good accent. Uh, let's see. And then Michael, I met. I met actually in the '60s at the Eugene O'Neill uh, Playwrights Conference up there, where we, where that play that I was going mm-hmm. through town with, but we we opened the festival that year, and um, that's where we met. So, and they were and not only good guys, but really uh, fun to work with. And you, and you and once we got going. We had a couple of uh, uh, shots to work together, which was mm-hmm. like really good. But, you know, it's good when people are looking out for you because uh, the business is like very difficult. Uh, and when people are looking out for you, as well as you know your your buddies and know what the scoop is. Uh, then you you know you, you're fortunate to have those guys as friends. You're lucky you're all good too because it's mm-hmm. it's it's hard to help each other out or recommend someone. But if everybody's good, those uh, you know all three of you, so it, it's not crazy that you would all be in another movie or that you would work together because you sh- you keep bringing yeah. bringing it, which is hard to do. It's all about work, the work. Right? Yeah, just keep working. Yeah, yeah keep having having and having a good time doing it. Our theme here, uh, casually, SNL, and uh, you hosted five times. It's very rare five o'clock. to host five times. Five o'clock, you and John Goodman and a couple others, when you host that show, as you know, you got a pretty much cold read 55 scripts over four hours, basically. Yes. <laughs> and I remember yes. thinking at the yes. time when you came in in 86 or 87, damn, this guy can cold read. Was it, were you known for that? But you were like nailing it, you know, over and over again. I don't, you know, pretty cool to, to, to watch as a young performer. Well, it was a lot of fun to sit in that room with all you crazy people and, uh, and, and have that pile of scripts in front of you and just go through <laughs> them. Uh, I mean, that, that's like, uh, you know, the opportunity to have everybody there pitching what they thought was best, best, and what you felt comfortable with. That's the main thing. I think that's key, right, for, would you say, like for the hosts uh, to be comfortable with all that material. One, you know, pick the ones that are the ones uh, that suit you best. It's a lucky thing, like, to have that um, pack of, you know, troubadours 
all sitting around the table, you know. It's like old uh, school showbiz kind of. Yeah, old school, you know. It's like, yeah, I could imagine what it was like, you know, when the Marx Brothers were running around all the theaters trying out material, you know. That that would be the same kind of uh, thing. They, they, they just go do, they suffer people through uh, two hours or three hours of material and then pick the ones that they like best. Yeah, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin uh, did some TV shows in there, Don Pardo showed me, they said to me. And they would just go up to the director and cut his tie off with a scissor. They, You know, this is Jerry <laughs> Lewis in the 50s. And they would both just push yeah. the piano over, like destroy the piano. They were the anarchists then, the crazy people. But one thing about you, I have to say, so we get to it, was on Hans and Franz, when we got you in there as like a pit bull, over-the-top <laughs> Austrian guy who was out of his mind and you kept, we would berate the audience, the imaginary, and you would start berating them and then you start attacking the camera and we had to keep holding you back. <laughs> that was one of the funniest moments I had on that show oh, with you in that sketch. Yeah, oh, hysterical. Because you committed so fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes the task of the director for me is, you know, sitting on me, holding me back, getting me away from the just try to <laughs> turn the burners down a little bit, you know. Once I get going, I guess that's what happens. Burners down. It still yeah. happens that way. Well, that's what Arnold Arnold told me about you. He said, you know, you you got to keep Danny on his feet. Keep Danny on his feet because his energy keep goes him on up. On a short leash. On <laughs> a short yeah. leash. Otherwise, he gets going. He gets away at the leash. <laughs> and you have to you yeah. have to follow him yeah. and get him and bring him back into the scene because the emotions get so high with Danny. It's funny about about with Arnold. Arnold and I were thrust together by Ivan Reitman, who just passed yeah. away. Twins. Rest his soul. Uh, he he uh, he called me and said, "How would you like to be Arnold Schwarzenegger's brother?" I said, "I mean, I'd jump at the chance." I thought that was a great idea. Once we got together, it was like we had a great chemistry. We breaking balls constant. It was like a kind of like, you know, uh, you know, he's he's so formidable, you know, and like and he's got a great sense of humor. He does. Have, oh, yeah. Like he's always doing all kinds of like, you know, crazy ass shit. And he always had a pack of guys around him like uh, Franco and. And uh, oh, Franco Colombo, Franco Colombo, yeah, yeah, and all these guys and these other bodybuilders, and so it was like yes. a pack of, it was like a pack of bros. It was similar, you know, going into like that with the, you know, as a host of Saturday Night Live, going into this pack of like crazy people that mm. were always, you know, <laughs> that had a second hand, a shorthand, and and uh, and got along the way you guys did. I don't, you know, at least when, when I was around you, we were always, you know, fucking around, having a good time. And so it was a similar kind of thing with, uh, with Arnold. I'd go in and, and there would all be these guys seriously pumping iron and doing shit and, you know, talking about, you know, and I just like, you know, when you get protein the powder, odd, all of a sudden a, a kind of a wrecking ball comes in and starts banging into, you know, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> It was a lot of fun. Were they going to do a triplets? Yeah, we were going to do it. And then uh, two, this is a, I, I always go by the Super Bowl because it was, I was in Atlanta <laughs> uh, doing a movie and, uh, and uh, it was Super Bowl Sunday. 
and I was just get getting over COVID. Mm-hmm. I was stuck in a room for two weeks, and mm-hmm. and uh, the news came that Ivan passed away on that day, and so this is going to be three. This is three years now that he's gone. Two, yeah, three years. Two years. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant director. Yeah, it was a drag. Um, he was, uh, you know, he's a lot of fun and uh, and uh, made made a big difference in my life. Well, yeah, I was told uh, that but we were going to do triplets. Oh, we were going to do triplets. We had a we had a script going. Everything was going, and then when he passed, uh, his family didn't want to continue with doing it. So we're oh. Arnold and I are working on other things together. Good and you know that's awesome. We love yeah. Arnold. You know, the way things, I, yeah. yeah, he's a, he's a cool guy. He's a, he's a good guy. David, whether you have a few weeks old puppy or a senior who's seen multiple decades, any dog person like me knows the most valuable thing in the world is spending time with your pet. Yep, the farmer's dog makes it easy to keep them healthy, which can give you more quality years with your. Lovely dog. Yeah, well, I've heard Farmer's Dog makes and delivers fresh, healthy dog food. And, you know, that's what everyone's looking for. It's recommended by vets, nutritionally balanced. Uh, it's made from human-grade ingredients, safe, clean kitchens. All that stuff matters. Yeah. I mean, you love your dog. Why Why get the lousy food for your dog? Farmer's Dog is the best. Traditional dry and wet dog food options are extremely processed. Sometimes dogs. much lower quality. Yeah. <laughs> you, you put it in their bowl and they go. What is this kibble? And they knock it away. What is this canned goo? Oh, yeah. I've had our dog, yeah, look at the bowl yeah. and then kind of crank its neck up and look at me. And it was like, really? They go, really? Why don't you go first? You want a bite of this? Slop? <laughs> and it makes that sound. Here you go, dog. Mm-hmm. Like, so Farmer's Dog isn't just higher no. quality food. They also send the food pre-portioned specifically for your dog based on their unique nutritional needs. It makes it easy to help your dog reach and stay at their ideal weight, David. And which is one of the biggest indicators of a full, healthy life. A fresh diet has been found to have all sorts of benefits, David, from healthier coat mm-hmm. and skin, better breath, if you want to kiss your dog, and even easier digestion and smaller and better poops. Let's look at a clip. It doesn't <laughs> matter if your dog's young or old, it's always the right time to invest in their health for more happy years with your dog, get 50% off your first box at farmersdog.com slash fly. Let the farmer's dog know we sent you. Use your code or click podcast after you sign up for your first box. It's blazing hot outside. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero, David. No DIY experience needed. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Tracy Morgan was going to come in. I'll put a baby in there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know he's so funny I had a, no, we, had a, we had a great Zoom together and he was just off the charts bananas hysterical yeah. Yeah. I mean that energy in there Mr. Been like, D it don't get any that's, easy that's that you know 
That's the way, you know, the way things, things, things go, you know, like, um, they, you know, you have to always adjust as like we, we do. So. Did you have the role that got away, Danny? Uh, uh, or maybe a conflict. He had, he had to do another movie instead. No, I didn't. And, I, know, choices. I, uh, that I couldn't do. I hadn't had one of those that, that was uh, really substantial that, you know, you could look back and say, you know, no, I'm, I've had roles that I desperately wanted and got, which we, I got, I had to work hard to get. Mm. Uh, if you can't imagine, you know, how everybody holds out, you know, you, you get a part and a, somebody says the last minute, you get a part, and and it's the one you wanted, and that that's really uh, the ones I think about. The ones that got away, I don't know. I can't, you know. Were you going to be Costanza? Oh no, no. I think like you mean like in uh, Seinfeld. Yeah. No, I I wasn't. I, I they they oh, okay. they just uh, yeah. Uh, when. Uh, yeah, I was still. I don't know what I was doing at the time. I, I when when mid nineties. But I did a movie. Yeah. I did a movie called The Ratings Game, which is uh, was done for Showtime. It was the first movie that I directed, and and I cast in that movie as a. It was his one of his first things on camera. Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know if he had done anything before this, mm -hmm. but I cast him as a, an agent. And coincidentally, the, there were a couple of like character, really wild characters in the movie. I cast Michael Richards in the same movie. Oh, weird. really? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that they would <laughs> later be teamed up in the, Seinfeld, but this was like yeah. in, um, it was in 83. When mm -hmm. did Seinfeld go on? Like 90, 93, yeah. two, three, four. I'm sorry. Something so, like that. So, yeah. so 10 years earlier, I did a movie called the ratings game and, uh, both Jerry Seinfeld and Michael Richards were in it. Did Jerry ask you questions? Of how to direct. He hey. goes, how do you want me? How do you want me to play this scene? Did he ever say no, that to you? No, I don't. I, uh, yeah. He's pretty kind of serious in real life, I think. By the way, which Batman did you work with? I can't remember. Batman Returns. Who was the Batman again? Oh, it was Michael. Oh, no. That oh, I love Michael. I do. I'm not just because you're on our show right now. I love your penguin. I loved it. Your you. your Oswald Thank Penguin, you. I thought. Didn't you have fun I doing that? Fun I mean, you, your your get up oh, yeah. was so crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had I had fun doing that. That was a uh, uh, that was one of the ones that I really wanted, and I I you know and I met Tim and uh, we had a great you know uh, conversation about it, and I knew he had done a lot of drawings. And we sat in his office and uh, looked at it. And I really, really wanted to play that. And he, 
the makeup was the first makeup was I was in the chair for almost five hours. And then the, we got it down mm. to three, but we stayed around mm. three, three and a, three, three and change. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. And it was the thing about I liked about that was, you know, I like I said, I like to go big. <laughs> And yeah, and boy, oh boy, Oswald was written like an opera. I mean, he could go, he could take this guy, yeah. you know. I mean, he just was, he was slapping his flippers off the walls, baby. You know, I mean, uh, your bird we cannot will fly. Yeah. He, was, he was the you wicked know. witch. He was all of it, all in one. Yes, yeah, yes. crazy yeah, was great. character. It's odd. It's odd. Yeah, and that was after, okay, that was after, see, I'd work with, I did the, you know, we did Romancing the Stone, Jewel of the Nile. Great, And then great. War of the Roses yeah. with Michael and Kathleen huge, and I. Huge. I was just about thinking about what we were going to do again because I was trying to uh, pull a Fritz Lang, you know, where you, <laughs> as a director, you cast, yeah. you know, the same people in, oh, yeah. in, the, in all of your movies, but they play different mm -hmm. parts. And- and then Batman came along, and it's odd the way things, you know, emerge. Most of the movies that I've done, um, you know, came, came out of the blue. And I was very, you're very fortunate, you know. I was, I was going to direct a pilot, in, uh, in, I was sitting in the, in the commissary of Paramount, and and uh, I was just about to make the deal, like with, oh, I was talking to the writer and I was talking to the producer, and it was at Paramount and. I was going to be the, I, I was directing this pilot and, and, uh, I had a, a yellow pad full of notes, <laughs> you know, about the pilot mm -hmm. script. And I knew I was getting really steely daggers from the writer <laughs> who was also the producer and a woman, this was in the days we didn't have cell phones and stuff. A woman from the, like the commissary, I was in the commissary all the time because the taxi, we, that's where we shot taxi. She came over to me and she said, you have a phone call. It was like the old Hollywood day. She didn't bring it to the table, but I, <laughs> I got up and went over to where the phone was. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, it was, it was Michael Douglas. Mm. And, hey. and, and, uh, he rescued me from doing that pilot because we had shot romancing the stone already. No, yes, Romancing the Stone. And he said, what are you doing? I heard you're going to do a pilot. And I said, yeah, man, I'm struggling through this meeting right now. He said, well, you can't do that. You gotta, we got to go on the road, man. We're going all over the world to promote the movie. And I said, I love you, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, get me out of here. Yeah. Uh, right. Anyway, I love you. You rescued my ass. All right, I got a question. Go. Did you ever go see? You were on a show called Taxi. You might not remember, but did you ever see uh, Andy Kaufman go do stand up, just like at the comedy store? Yeah. And how was I that? And, that was that was bizarre. Yeah, was bizarre. Cool. Yeah. But I went to see him do that, and I saw him, and I went out to eat at the restaurant. He waited. He busboyed out in the valley. Uh, it was uh, <laughs> after he was on was, Taxi. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, while he was on the show, <laughs> he busboyed out in. Uh, I love it. On, uh, I, I think it, I'm not sure the, of the name of the deli. Yeah, it was a good. Uh, Might have been Katz's. No, no, 
what the hell in in the valley it wasn't art deli it was the Mm -hmm. other one it's closed now but jerry's out in it was on santa is it on ventura boulevard jerry's is yeah jerry yeah that was that was that was probably that might have been it jerry's yeah and uh (laughs) and you know we went out we had like a couple of us from the show i think tony might have been with me and judd might have come uh we just one night went out and uh we knew he was working and so we we went and ate and uh you know had conversations with him, like you would have with the bus boy. <laughs> no, not Andy. Andy's nowhere around. <laughs> All right, he's the bus boy. Now. He was the bus boy. <laughs> it was like really great. I mean that 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 was that guy was like, uh, yeah. We had some fun. His dressing was right next to mine. We would. Um, he was. Uh, he he was hysterical. One day, uh, somebody was delivering a package. And it was a woman, and he started yelling at her because she she was, uh, I don't know, UPS, so I can't remember what, the, maybe right. it was the government. I don't know what the fuck it was, but she's walking in. She's got a uniform on. She's delivering a package to somebody, and he tells <laughs> her that she should be home. You know, t- she's taking a man's job, and he right. booked her into a wrestling match. Yeah. I was there for that one. Right wow. in the hallway. Both of them turning red, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> choke holes. We had to break them apart a couple of times. It was so really? serious Woman. about that shit. You could do yeah. that crazy about that. I don't think you could actually. I mean, you could do that. You could do, yeah. I don't know. There was no like, you know. Again, if that was a, it was that was today. Somebody would be out with a cell phone, and the next mm. thing you know, it would be online. And people oh, would yeah. comment about it and they would mm-hmm. say, you know, but I'll tell you, the woman that he was fighting was as big as he was. And, <laughs> and she did a good job, man. Really? He had his ass down big time. You know, it was, it was, uh, I don't know if Tony, I always wondered if Tony always had a little camera with him dancing. And I was wondering if he, you know, I had one of those little did were you cast before Andy? Were you cast first or did you have any hand in no, the cast? No, I think Andy might have been cast. I was I was the last I think I might have been one of the last members to be cast. Uh and the the uh the the story was that I was told later was that my part was actually written as a like a voice. That came over the loudspeaker, oh, yeah. like uh-huh. kind of like Carlton the doorman. Yeah, I remember Carlton the doorman. Involved in that guy, and uh, and then uh, ultimately, you know, I came in and, and did my famous audition where I I said uh, you know, I said to them before I they just introduced me, and I said to Brooks and Weinberger and. Stan Danny, Dave Davis was there. All the guys sitting around. I said, one thing I want to know before I start, who wrote this shit? And I threw it on the table. <laughs> and, and it was like a split second of like, am I going to get thrown out? Not even, you know, a nanosecond. Yeah, where they of didn't course. Do it, and then they just fucking pissed themselves. Right? And then it was one of those auditions where you, 
you couldn't say anything. You couldn't do anything wrong. I'd say, and, and I'd get a laugh. Oh, you know, I it, love it. It wasn't, yeah, it was the, uh, that was Riga. The, the casting director was Joel Thurm. He, oh, yeah. he said, you got to right. come do this. You gotta, you know, and I, I said, yeah, man. Okay, cool. What a fucking score. That what was a, that what job. What a score that was. Yeah. yeah what Jesus. was weirder, working with Andy Kaufman on Taxi or then doing The Man on the Moon with Jim Carrey doing Andy Kaufman? I think <laughs> working with Jim was, it was like really off the charts. That was the most fun. Like I've had fun like on. Sure. I'm really fortunate. I had fun on a lot of the movies. You know, I've never had one of those, oh, fuck, that was awful movies. I always had these, like, really quirky yeah. kind of things. And being on the set with Jim Carrey, sorry about that. Jim, being on Hello, the set Jim? With Jim Carrey was, oh, oh, it is Jim. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, <laughs> he was, like, in so far, in, you know, the, all the stuff. We saw yeah. the documentary. Mm -hmm. I was producing that movie. And so my, I, but also playing God rest his soul, George Shapiro. Uh, anyway, uh, he was busting my balls constantly. And, you know, and Milos is then see, it's infectious because then what would happen? We were having fun, but Milos should go to me. You got to go to Madman's trailer. I'm losing time. My God, I got to get, the, you know, I am the studio is going to be on my ass yeah. and I'm going, and, uh, Andy, uh, Jim, uh, and, uh, Tony, Tony, you know I mean? come on out. And he's gone, you know, but it was fun. It was, even though it was like, you know, and I've got a lot of friends who worked on that movie and we still talk about that experience because Pam Abdi was my assistant mm -hmm. at the time. Uh, she was there and knowing that I was going through, what was going on? I mean, he did things like, he, he, okay, we're acting in the movie, but I'm also the producer, <laughs> one of the producers of the movie. And so he, he would get mad at the, and he, like, he, he pulled his car up to my trailer and went up, you know, he's got the little metal steps. Yeah. He jammed his, the car up, put it in gear or something, <laughs> locked it, took the keys. I couldn't get out of my trail. <laughs> Teamsters had to come with a crane to get the car. You know, it was like one of those. Uh, uh, it was a crazy, crazy time. I, I love come Jim Carrey. Yeah, Jim Carrey is fucking great. Just, just the fact that he committed that. Did he get nominated for Best Actor for that? Or no, no, I don't know. He, we had a really brilliant. Uh, it was a. He, yeah. he was brilliant in that part, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, yeah, and. And seriously, uh, uh, would turn it on and off when he wanted. So that was like mm -hmm. one of those things where whenever he came to the set, he was always in character. But if you see him like, you know, you know, off, oh. like I went to his house yeah. or something like that for a, mm -hmm. you know, some thing. He was like, cool. He wasn't, yeah. you know, he wasn't like a serial killer off the. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he's very he's sort of a quiet, sweet guy. Yeah, quiet, sweet guy. Yeah. But then turned into like Tony Clifton. I love it. Which was well, like, Tony Clifton is a whole other. That was <laughs> fucked up. Level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, <laughs> we 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 shot at a place called Chasen's down on. Uh, I remember that that place. Okay, he mm -hmm. spread. There was some kind of 
I don't know, union strike or something. There was something going on. He wrote like big letters, like, you know, in red ink. I mean, red spray paint uh, all over the building. I had, I had, a, I had to, re, to paint. I had to repaint the entire building. <laughs> ah. It's like a Farley. It's like having a crazy person on the like, side. Like, like yeah, Chris, ah. I, I, I can't imagine what it was. I, I, I always loved Chris and, uh, uh, because he would take it to that, you know, Oh yeah. He was always the oh, one. Oh my went. God. Yeah. Yeah, Same God, kind of thing. Guys. Just a lot of attention, a lot of craziness and, uh, Chris, lovable sweet guy like jim i mean just but they really liven things up there's always a story after the fact there's always a story live nation presents concert week from now through may 14th get 25 dollars tickets to over 5,000 summer shows that's up to 75 percent off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 savage alanis morissette celeste barber great janet jackson Nasty Boys, great song. You like to go to Kids Bop Kids. That's their Sammy Hagar I'd go to. I went to see the Doobie Brothers. I'd probably go again. Good old Whitney Cummings. Yeah. Train and Ario Speedwagon. There's so many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Wow. That is a good, that's a good deal. You got to yep. visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. What is it? LiveNation.com slash Concert Week. Dubai now. Hey, Fidelity. Can I get a second opinion on stocks in the Fidelity app? With Fidelity, it's easy to get an outside opinion from independent experts in a single score. And then? When you're ready, trade U.S. stocks and ETFs with no commissions. That's right. I am always right. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity account. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Dana, I got to ask da Danny about uh, always an, an always sunny question because we can't let you go without talking about always sunny. Uh, one question of mine is, I don't see all the episodes, but I see a lot of it on Instagram, which I don't know if you know this, but when they show... TikTok and Instagram clips, they're always so fucking filthy. I'm like, are these from the real show? Are they getting away with all this stuff? <laughs> are they filthy? I don't know. I don't I don't I mean, like just they're very R-rated. And I thought Yeah, the show oh, man, is a little I mean, people love that fucking show. They love Yeah, it. the show is a little uh you know, I don't know <laughs> a little. what you're talking about, but uh, we have had some um Innuendos, well, hilarious. I guess, yeah. Yeah, there's some innuendos for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if they're even innuendos. They're just yeah. uh, straight ahead. But yeah, they're, it's so funny, and uh, it's it's such a long run. It's a, it sounds like a gift, I'm sure. Just yeah, like it is a gift. Being with fun. They all look fun as shit. I don't know yeah, everybody that well. but No, they're all, they're all you know, uh, uh, when I got the show uh, – that you know, Landgraf was my buddy, and he showed FX me this boss, show, right? Yeah, forget yeah. FX. Uh, and then I met them, and they were, you know, just the way they are, <laughs> and uh, the same cat, you know, the three yeah. oddballs. Mm -hmm. And then I met Caitlin, and she's she's like hysterical, she's hilarious. But yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah they're, they're a lot of fun to go to work with, you know, yeah. 
It's good. To, it's oh, a good job. Sure. It's and been it on keeps, there forever. Keeps giving. Keeps giving. And now Matilda, we have to talk about. Yeah. Matilda oh. came to me. Yeah. Which you directed the movie. I did. I directed the movie and, mm -hmm. and I, you know, I, I saw Mara Wilson in, in, uh, in, uh, the, uh, uh, movie, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. And, oh, uh, she was yeah. a little bit older when I met her. Perfect for Matilda. And we shot the movie and it, it, it was great. We had a great time. That was like, that was fun. That was a, a hundred, hundreds of kids there was no cg mm -hmm. we you added kids and all that stuff yeah yeah this was yeah. all real kids it was really mm -hmm. great me on the stage with a bullhorn yeah do this do that you know like mm -hmm. and, and uh get your finger out of your nose we're shooting okay wrangling let's go. cats yeah. wrangling yeah and so now we're doing it on uh we, we've taken the sound out you know you've seen these things uh everybody's does it with et and does it with mm -hmm. star wars and does it with Back to the Future. I, yes. I took the soundtrack out, and David Newman is going to conduct the the Philharmonic. Uh, it's a symphony. Oh, okay, orchestra, okay, yeah. New Jersey Symphony Orchestra, mm -hmm. and we're doing that um, on March twenty second in New Jersey mm -hmm. at, the, at the State Theater in New Brunswick, and it's really exciting to do because here's the thing: you take the sound out, okay, the, mm -hmm. not just the music out. But I, mm -hmm. I narrate the movie as well as play a part in it. Mm -hmm. So when, yeah. I, when I'm narrating, I'm on stage actually with the symphony orchestra. It's really okay. intimidating, yeah. but it's really a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and you're watching the, you know, the streamer go by. On, I got a monitor with the movie. He's conducting mm -hmm. the score. The people are watching the, the movie. Oh. I've got a brand new print, and it's just beautiful. The print is like gorgeous and wow. um and then when the stream when it's my turn to narrate a talk you know you have to, he conducts it's like being conducted. over it you talk over it yeah well in the movie i play the part of wormwood mr wormwood and i also mm -hmm. narrate the movie mm -hmm. so because yeah. i tried to find somebody to narrate the movie but i uh, being the egotist I am, I couldn't. Yeah, embarrassing. Anybody else? Cast yourself. <laughs> like, cast myself. And uh, and it's kind of a trip to see. You know, you play the part, you narrated the movie, and I've got uh, Rhea, of course, plays Mrs. Wormwood. She's going to come on the twenty second. Great. And mm -hmm. uh, and I've got Pam Ferris coming over from England. She played the Trunchbull. It's really astounding yes. how many kids loved Miss Trunchbull. Miss Trunchbull. She was like great, right. really, really, yeah. really yes. tough. And Mara. By the way, I don't hear about a lot of these things, Danny. You don't hear about the the symphony, maybe with a Star Wars or something. But this is a yeah. really interesting is, like, thing to unique. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Fun, fun, challenging situation. Yeah, it's uh, and I, I, David Newman, who wrote the score. We've we've done this once before. We did it once before. Uh, we did it a few years ago uh, with a, a orchestra from the East Coast, not not New Jersey, and it worked out really great. It's fun. It's uh, it's a it's a fun night because you get to you know, but but you're right. Usually it's done with uh, more uh, like Back to the Futury kind of mm -hmm. ET blockbuster crazy movies 
This one is, uh, it's got a lot of music in it, so it's fun. Who who wrote the score? David Newman. He's, oh, David uh, he's Newman, one of the, yeah. yeah, the Newman uh, pack. There's a, as soon as the Newmans were born, the father was uh, the head of uh, 20th Century Fox Music, did all the, a lot of the mm-hmm. scores of all the old movies that we love. Yeah. And his brother, mm-hmm. they have the whole, you always see the Newman name on. And then David, David scores Thomas Newman, Randy Newman. They're all related, these guys. They were all wow. like, well, as soon as they're born, they give them a violin or a put or stick them <laughs> little babies. In. The first thing the Newmans do. <laughs> yeah. Even, even uh, Eric Newman is his son, Randy's son produces narcos a lot of movies so there you go everyone's yeah. in the biz yeah everybody's in the biz uh so mm. this should be a really good night sounds uh, great yeah sounds if you are you guys in the east coast are you are you here sometimes we are uh, in california but if i was out okay. there i'd crash that party yeah crash Definitely. that party because we're gonna have uh yeah uh i've never the state theater in new brunswick is uh new for me i've never been there but I think the I Phil, played yeah, there. The uh, <laughs> symphony orchestra. You did? Yeah. I believe so. How many it's seats nice, is that about? 2,000? 2,500? 1,800. Okay. I think I played there. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, great, theater. great theater. This is would be really fun. I love live music and live symphony orchestra. It's just, and then to have you there yeah, narrating and score. seeing the film. Yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah. I would go see it, everybody. Package yeah. deal. <laughs> Are you on the East Coast right now, Danny? Yeah, I'm on the West Coast. We're probably right around the corner from East West Coast. Coast. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wave. Anyway, it's been a pleasure, Danny. Good luck with this. Thanks. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please follow, subscribe, leave a like, a review, all the stuff. Smash that button, whatever it is, wherever you get your podcasts. Fly on the Wall is executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Jenna Weiss Berman of Odyssey. Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment and Heather Santoro. The show's lead producer is Greg Holtzman.